Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Browns fans. Thank you for sharing 20 minutes of your time with me, the Village Elliot. The Oracle speaks on why the Browns can be tied for last place and yet be the sixth playoff seed in the American Football Conference. Not even the last playoff seed. The Cincinnati Bengals are the last seed. The Browns beat the Bengals and are the number six seed. That's absolutely right. The universe is out of balance. How can this be? All four teams in the AFC North are currently seeded for the playoffs. And I know it's too early to talk about playoffs, playoffs, playoffs. Yes, but the Browns, in other words, are the sixth-ranked team in the AFC by virtue of their one-loss record. They have beaten the Cincinnati Bengals already. Uh, Baltimore is the division leader, and we play Baltimore this week. And uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers have already beaten the Cleveland Browns, so they are the number five playoff seed, and the Browns are six. Now, the New York Jets had a chance to make it a four-way tie uh, with – uh, in terms of the one-loss record, but they kind of fell flat on their faces and got pummeled by the uh, used-to-be San Diego Chargers, now the Los Angeles Chargers. To me, they're still the San Diego Chargers. Don't tell anybody that. You're not supposed to say that. But anyway, the Los Angeles Chargers triumphed over New York. Everybody in New York is mad as they always are after every loss. And uh, this is just a question about who to fire, who their next quarterback is going to be. I think the quarterback is actually not their problem. They have deep, deep, deep offensive problems. They allowed eight sacks. My gosh, poor New York Jets. They don't know what their problem is. But anyway, so here are the Browns. Uh, they have a chance to do some damage in the division by knocking off Baltimore next week. Uh, there are some interesting trends, however, from the uh, Arizona game now that the snap counts have been calculated. I'd like to talk to you about that. There are some problems or let's say trends with the Stefanski offense that, that I'd like to talk to you about. Um, not everything is happy when you, you know, even though they scored 27 points against uh, Arizona, there are some kind of weird trends and they're snap count related. First of all, the Browns only have one wide receiver that 
uh, Deshaun Watson is apparently comfortable with. Now, we got rid of Donovan Peoples-Jones because he wasn't catching the football, right? Okay, so it must be Donovan Peoples-Jones can't get open. Uh, something's wrong with Donovan Peoples-Jones. Has he gotten kind of, has he become a fat cat in his old age? Or what is the problem with Donovan Peoples-Jones? Well, let's get rid of him. Uh, we're going to get a number six draft choice in 2025, which is ridiculous because probably um, everybody in the front office will be fired by then. But anyway, that's what they got. That's the best that they could do. I'm very hopeful of them to think that they'll survive till 2025. <clears throat> okay, so who, <coughs> excuse me, who replaced him? Uh, let's take a look at the snap counts and make that judgment. First of all, their number one guy, the incredible superstar, uh, Amari Cooper, uh, has been lights out against everybody. No matter who they've thrown at Amari Cooper, he's still been able to catch the football. I was very surprised that he had a very good game against Seattle, despite going against uh, who pro football focus claimed was the number one uh, defensive back, cornerback you know, in the NFL. And he still was able to have a good game against uh, Seattle. But uh, anyway, uh, the Cleveland Browns had 73 snaps on offense last Sunday, and, um, and that was against Arizona, of course. And Amari Cooper had 58. That's 79% of the offensive snaps. Amari Cooper was on the field. Uh, the next wide receiver was Cedric Tillman. He was on the field for 54 snaps or 74%. So almost as often as Amari Cooper, Cedric Tillman was on the field. Uh, Amari Cooper was targeted five times, had five receptions for 139 yards, an incredible game, 27.5 yards per catch. Uh, just an outstanding game for Amari Cooper. Five targets uh, in that time. However, their number two wide receiver, how many targets do you think he had? Well, if you guessed one, that's exactly right. He was targeted one time, had one reception for three yards. I mean, doesn't that sound like Donovan Peoples-Jones' stat line? One target, one reception, three yards, even though he was on the field for the same length of time as Amari Cooper. Um, you know, it's a small data sample to be sure, but Cedric Tillman is supposed to be the number two receiver. And in a blowout game where they had um, 27 points, they couldn't find it in their hearts to target Cedric Tillman any more than one time. And um, I just think that that's out of balance where the number one guy gets five times as many targets as the number two guy. I hope they get that straightened out by the time that they uh, face Baltimore. Otherwise, I think Baltimore might find a way to double cover Cooper, uh, find some way to slow him down. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of crazy. Um, uh, who were the other guys that got targeted? Well, Jerome Ford was targeted seven times. That actually led the team in targets. He's a running back, of course. He caught five balls. Uh, for 33 yards, that's you know not bad production for a running back. We were concerned about Jerome Ford a little bit because he didn't do that in college, but he's been really good 
at catching the ball out of the backfield, so uh, good for him. Uh, they also threw the ball six times to David Njoku, the tight end. He had four grabs for 26 yards. That's really a very, um, very nice production from the tight end. Uh, Elijah Moore was uh, two targets and two catches, 14 yards. That's, again, you know, uh, a little bit, um, let's say, shallow production for Elijah Moore. Uh, Elijah Moore was on the field 45 snaps, which is 62% of the snaps. And you know, by the way, I didn't mention that uh, David Njoku was on the field for 56 snaps, which is about the same. He was number two uh, among receiver targets behind Cooper. Um, so, you know, that's pretty good for a tight end. Um, you know, his production has been outstanding. Uh, all season long, despite the fact that he had severe burns from an accident, um, uh, you know, at the, at a, I guess a high-powered cookout, or he did something wrong and uh, uh, got caught in a a uh, explosion of sorts and wound up with uh, severe burns on his arms and face. Anyway, he's been playing in great pain, and um, it's. Um, been a very difficult season for him, but he has continued to play, continued to be outstanding, uh, continued to be criticized in print by sports writers for no good reason, by the way. He's really been doing an outstanding job, has been for years and years. People criticize that he gets paid too much money, but if you look at his salary cap hit, it is not very high at all this season. He's uh, way down on the list among tight ends. Um, so I don't think that's fair at all. Um, all right. Then uh, other running backs, uh, Pierre Strong also was one for one, although his reception was for negative yardage. That's not so great. And uh, Marquise Goodwin, the other wide receiver, was targeted twice, did not come up with any grabs, and his catch percentage has been pretty low this year. Kareem Hunt had one target, did not uh, come up with the football. Uh, Kareem, of course, is well established as a receiver out of the backfield. He's very good. I'm not concerned about Kareem. Uh, and um, let's talk about the rushing game. The rushing game has really done very, very well uh, in terms of getting yards in the absence of Nick Chubb. They've added uh, Pierre Strong. Uh, that's helped them to some extent. He was three for nine. Not bad, but he's, you know, at least a presence in case uh, Ford or Hunt go down. They have a backup. Uh, Ford uh, was uh, better in the first half. Both running backs were better in the first half. Uh, they did not have great statistics. Uh, Ford overall was 20 attempts, 64 yards. That's a 2.2 yards per carry average. Kareem Hunt was not even... It was a little bit better, 14 attempts, 38 yards, 2.7 yards per carry. Uh, Deshaun Watson brought the team average up a little bit by going three attempts, 22 yards. That's 7.3 yards per attempt. So overall, they were 40 uh, attempts, 113 yards, and 2.8 yards per carry. Now, you can say, rightfully so, that the Browns used the run a lot in the second half, even though Arizona knew it was coming. And the reason is, is that they had an impressive lead 
and uh, they just were not of the mind that they were going to risk an interception uh, for no reason. Uh, all that's true. Um, I will point out that back in the day, um, you know, Nick Chubb used to go in that situation and just eat people alive in the closer role. But uh, we don't have Nick Chubb. So they um, ran the ball, didn't make very many yards, and they punted a lot. Um, and that's probably okay. Um, all right. So let me also make another point, something that's been overlooked by the national media. Um, we have a fullback. Cleveland Browns have a fullback. And even the stat services haven't realized that we have a fullback. His name is Nick Harris. Uh, Nick Harris is listed as a, as a center, and he has played some center a few snaps when uh, Ethan Posick uh, was uh, injured or shaken up, I should say, for a few snaps. He went in and played center. Uh, so, you know, he does have a role as a backup center, but most of his snaps have been as a fullback. He played 18 snaps against Arizona, and I believe that all of them have been as a fullback, or you could argue that, well, he lined up as an H-back on this snap or, you know, as a uh, uh, extra tight end, um, you know, or tackle eligible or whatever. But he's been in, in that role as an eligible uh, position player um, most of the season and usually as a fullback. And he's been very effective at blowing open holes in the other team's line that the running backs can run through. And that's why the running backs have been as effective as they are, because Nick Harris opens up holes. You know, he weighs 290-some uh, pounds, and he's able to run into the line and make a hole that anybody can see, and uh, the, the running back just runs through the hole. Um, that's partially, I think you could say, an indictment that they'd rather have a fullback instead of an extra wide receiver or an extra tight end. Uh, it does help the running game. The Browns have rushed the ball more often than they did when they had Nick Chubb. Uh, they've had to have more carries in order to get yards on the ground. Um, but nevertheless, that's what they've got. They've got a fullback that they've used like in the old days, and it's worked for them. It's helped them to gain yards on the ground. It's classic Stefanski. A lot of times they line up with uh, two tight ends and a fullback, and then they run the ball, and then you know the big kids just push the defense around, and that's how they gain yards. Overall, the offense is not nearly as effective as the defense. One of the criticisms that I had for Stefanski, and I hope that this will be regarded as constructive criticism, I like Stefanski overall as a coach, is that he, I believe, has to learn to transition himself from being that offensive-minded coach to realizing that he has a defensive juggernaut and that his offense is inconsistent. And what I mean by that is that early in the game, for example, uh, he was faced with a situation where he had an opportunity to bring in Dustin Hopkins to kick a field goal. That was, I forget what the distance was, but it was in, I think, the high 40s, like 47 or 48 yards or something like that. 
And rather than go for that field goal, he decided that um, he needed to go for it on fourth down. And uh, I feel that that was the wrong mentality, that when you have a great defensive team, you should be prepared to win that that uh, game by field goals. You should be willing to count on your team to hold a lead of three points. And um, so I felt in that instance, the Cleveland Browns need to be willing to accept a three-point lead rather than feel like they need to score a whole bunch of points to beat Arizona and to beat a rookie quarterback making his first start, Clayton Toon. I felt we gave Clayton Toon way too much, way too much respect. Um, I, I thought that uh, they should have kicked the field goal. Um, and I realize that that contradicts some of what I have said in the past, that normally on the average, you score more points by going for it on fourth down. That's true. But this is a situation where the Browns do not have a particularly strong offense, but they do have a very, very strong defense. And so I think you need to go against the uh, trends that you've sort of grown up with as an offensive coordinator. It's a very different mindset with this team where you have one of the top defensive teams in the NFL, and you're going against a team that had a rookie quarterback and is not an offensive juggernaut by any means. Now, a difficult question that we have to answer going forward, actually, we don't have to answer, but we're pretending that we're Kevin Stefanski, is what kind of strategy do you employ against the Baltimore Ravens? And by the way, the Baltimore Ravens have totally exceeded my expectations I felt all along in the offseason that there was a disconnect between the front office and the coaching staff where the front office has been busy investing in wide receivers, namely Odell Beckham Jr. was one of their big free agent acquisitions. They also uh, drafted Zay Flowers in the first round. Um, they also had uh, first round draft choices in the past uh, few um, drafts. And they've invested uh, draft picks, high draft picks in wide receivers for like the past three or four years. And I felt that they were trying to convert Lamar Jackson, who I regard as the greatest dual threat quarterback in the history of the NFL. And they're trying to convert him into a pocket passer, which I don't think is a really good strategy. I think what he does best is uh, pass against uh, an eight man front. Uh, where he keeps the threat of um, uh, running for a long gain alive. And um, I think that they they were doing great with two tight ends, with a fullback. Um, you know, they, they have a 310-pound fullback that they like to run at you. And uh, I thought that that was working very well. And I believe that uh, Coach John Harbaugh continues to coach his team with a run first mentality and uh, nevertheless they've been very effective on offense despite the fact that uh, Harbaugh's coaching style runs contrary to what the general manager has provided him in terms of personnel so uh, that's an interesting conflict I do think that that the Browns will have to you know they're the underdogs 
And I think that they will have to take some chances on offense in order to win. So the strategy that they employ in order to beat Baltimore uh, on offense may be different than what they uh, should have employed against Arizona. Of course, it's very hard to criticize Coach Stefanski when they won 27 to nothing. So I hope you appreciate the fact that I'm not trying to um, criticize him when he's down. Certainly, I'm criticizing him when he was brilliantly successful. Um, but I do feel, you know, the strategy, the analytics generally favor uh, not taking chances against a team that has a poor offense. But when a team has a, a brilliant offense like um, Baltimore, that your offensive strategy might be a little bit more wide open. I want to see the Browns use their secondary wide receivers more than they did against Arizona. There might be an opportunity to launch a trick play or two that we didn't see against Arizona. And uh, I think that there might be some uh, fourth down calls uh, that I won't criticize even if they don't work. I think that you probably do need to score some points against Baltimore in order to win. Uh, I think Lamar Jackson is going to be hard to stop. I also will point out that Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, I think, was the spy backer that we're going to use. He replaces Joe Schober. That used to be horrible. Joe Schober was a 4-7 linebacker going against uh, uh, Lamar Jackson, who's like a 4-4 guy, and it was like he had cement overshoes, uh, Joe Schober. You know, he's a great tackler. Uh, led, uh, I think he led the NFL in tackles one year, but he could not keep up with Lamar Jackson. It was horrible. But uh, I, the first thing I thought of when they announced that they moved up to take Owusu Koromoa was Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. That's why he was drafted, or one of the big reasons, the big motivations was to compete against the Baltimore Ravens. This is a big game, and uh, I believe that we're going to see. Um, Owusu Koromoa, I don't want to say that he's going to be a great superstar. I don't want to predict that, but I believe that we're going to see him utilized against Lamar Jackson in a special way this game. So that's what I've got to say. Uh, have a great day, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, man, you know what I forgot to do? I forgot to pause for uh, our break. Well, hopefully uh, John will just interrupt the show in the middle, <laughs> insert some commercials, and uh, hopefully it won't interrupt won't have interrupted the flow of the uh, of the broadcast uh, too much. So anyway, have a great day and go Browns, everyone.